When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew. As always, I got my co-host, Matt and Vitor, here with me as well. Guys, unfortunately, the Jets' win streak did not reach two games. It did end at one. The Eagles' win streak all-time against the Jets did get to 12-0. We are not here to review a win. The Jets did lose 33-18. to But a hot start, came out and scored touchdowns on their first three possessions, weren't able to convert any extra points or two-point conversions, unfortunately, ended with 18 points and were never able to score again, mainly because their offense could and see the field. But we're going to get into the biggest topic. That is obviously Zach Wilson. I think we all agree that this was his best career game, including the game in Tennessee, as flashy and exciting as that one was overall from the aspect of being an NFL quarterback and managing the game and going through the process. I thought he was clearly, clearly improved, and this was his best game by far. Uh, most importantly, I think it started right away, quite honestly, with Braxton Berrios's return. I think he gets them down to the 20-yard line, and everybody on that offense just took a big sigh of relief, and they were comfortable and calm and confident. And we saw what it was like for Zach Wilson when he's able to start a game with confidence. It was really, really important for him, and it was really, really, uh, it was a hot start. And I hope that it's something that he can continue in the future. Vitor, I know you were already getting into his film uh, article come out on JetX Factor today about uh, his great performance. Go ahead and tell us what you saw. Well, I saw a much more comfortable and calm Zach Wilson against the Philadelphia Eagles. Early in the game, Braxton Berrios' big return sparked everybody, and Michael Fleur had a clear plan to start the game. I'm going to give Zach Wilson quick and easy completions. I'm going to give Zach Wilson easy coverage indicators because the Eagles are not going to disguise much. And that's what he did. The Jets waited until the second second quarter, sector drive to throw the ball past 10 yards downfield for the first time on a scheme-defined play-action deep curl to Elijah Moore. It was a very vanilla game plan for Zach Wilson, yes, but there are some things that are abstracts that we could sense with Wilson in this game that we could not in the, in the past game against the Houston Texans. Wilson was clearly calm in the pocket. He was grow, going through his reads. He took the underneath stuff gladly. He was not like, mm, I might take this hitch route here, but first let me take a peek into the second level throw that I have. No, it was like the hitch soap, I'm going to take it. The quick game's there, I'm going to take it. Was not perfect. This game was not perfect by Wilson by any means. Some inaccuracies and quick game concepts. He even said after the game that he cannot throw that ball to Tevin Coleman in the flat that hit it in the helmet. He's got to be more, more friendly to his receivers in the short stuff. But overall, guys, just a good game. 
very similar to the Zach Wilson that we saw in the preseason in some spots against Carolina in week one. Like Andrew told me on Twitter today, this move operator, right? That slant yep. route to Jameson Crowder. If you guys didn't catch on the review, I posted it on my Twitter. It's like, okay, I know who I have to manipulate here, who I'm going to go, who, who I'm going to throw the football to. How do I have to progress and defeat in sync with the head and his mind? Something that we aren't seeing after that week two disaster against the Patriots. So very encouraging game. And, and honestly, you know, training up, it's training up and we're going to, we're going to talk about the Saints, Saints matchup in the field, but the Eagles game guys, it was a good tape to watch more decisions, better footwork, calmer Zach Wilson. And, and, and I hope this is just the beginning of a good December stretch. Yeah. And my hat's off to the offensive line. Uh, I predicted uh, a worse blowout than it actually was mostly because I thought that the, the, the Eagles defense was just going to be running ruckshaw all over our offensive line, but they actually held their own and they gave Zach the, the time to get comfortable and to make the plays that he needed to make. And like you mentioned that uh, there were a lot of passes that were completions that were probably a little inaccurate. There was uh, a quick pass to Corey Davis that was definitely behind him. Uh, Corey Davis kind of bailed him out, and, his, and it was kind of a trend. His receivers kind of bailed out uh, poorly placed throws um, or throws that uh, didn't have as much touch on them as they should have. Uh, but then in the second half, I saw a little bit more touch when uh, that throw that uh, Corey Davis dropped. So it, I did see a lot of growth from Zach. And I hope he springs springboards off of this uh, for uh, a, a second showing against the Saints. Yeah, definitely. Um, he was certainly, I think, calm is the word. And we're seeing what happens when he has the ability to be calm and he's not pressured or overthinking. And like we've said for months now, a lot of that is going to come with experience. And we're hoping going into year two that he makes the, the second year leap that a lot of NFL players do. And I think that he's the perfect candidate for the type of guy to do that. Uh, but yeah, there was, there was a lot to like, there was some things you would like to clean up, but there was, in my opinion, more to like than there was to dislike. Uh, overall, it was a really, really solid game on that throw to Corey Davis, uh, which was a good throw by Zach Wilson. And I think we all were upset with Corey Davis for dropping it. That was the play he got hurt on and is now out for the season because he needs surgery for. So I, I'm going to be a little less critical on that particular play because if he inj was injured in the middle of it and that's what caused him to not be able to go up for the pass in the same way that I think he normally would have, you know, I can understand it, but we're seeing the growth of Zach to take a deeper shot and try and make a good throw and use your arm talent when it's the right decision. Uh, Corey Davis was open. The flat defender was covering, um, was covering the little underneath drag. Corey Davis was the next one in their progression. It's just their boot concept levels read that we've seen them run a lot all year. And he's there to make the throw if he can put it in the right spot. And he did. And so I hope that's something that we can see in the future. Um, continue picking up where he left off in more ways than just one build on the completions, build on uh, the touchdowns, build on the, the solid drives, uh, but also go back, improve on what needs to be improved on as well. Take everything as a whole. This was not a perfect game, but it was a very, very solid game and it was very encouraging. I, I was really, really glad to see that after a shaky first week back in Houston, and the team was still able to get a win despite him not playing his best, that he was able to come out after another week, reset himself very obviously, like you said, Vitor, he's very self-aware, know what he needs to address, address it, learn it, adapt it, fix it in a week, and get better. We're seeing improvement. 
And that's what we were hoping to see. This is his second game back since he's coming back from injury. And it was the best game of his career. That's what we were hoping for. I think we should all be pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. And just a quick point before we move on, it's just very clear in watch tape, how this offense as a whole is better, right? Then when Zach was playing before the injury in week five, week six, and Mac, Michael Fleur, he is just much more comfortable calling everything right now. The offensive line is a lot better. The running back, Stephen Coleman, is better right now than he was early in the season. Ryan Griffin is a better player than he was early in the season. And last year, it's, it's like he took off some rust. And Elijah Moore right now, he is already an elite NFL wide receiver, which he was not early in the season. So Zach, the moment he now understands that, hey, the pieces around me are better and I can just play my game and don't need to be a hero. The moment he realizes that, and I think he already did, things are just going to keep training upwards. Yeah, definitely. I think so too. I I really think that that this is a, a kid that is just only going to get better with experience where you don't have to... Uh, you know, you, you really don't have to teach him to read coverage. You don't have to teach him to understand how to watch tape. You don't have to teach him how to be a pro. You don't have to teach him how to be a leader. You don't have to teach him how to throw his uh, mechanics better unless, you know, like we saw, they broke down in Houston and he fixed it. He was able to, he was much better mechanically. He just needs reps and experience. And the more Zach Wilson gets to get comfortable with his receivers, get chemistry with Elijah Moore, you know, uh, a bunch of different opportunities are going to start paying off. There's a couple of shots he had to Elijah Moore uh, in this game that I thought could have been completions that were really, really close that I think will be completions in the future. That's just going to take chemistry and timing. And as the season goes on and as we go into future years, I really think that duo is going to going to be really special. Yeah. We're, we're, we were talking offline again about that more uh, play where uh, more puts on a clinic with the, with his route running. And then he looks like he breaks the wrong way. He looks like he breaks inside with uh, inside uh, coverage from the defender and Zach made the right read and throws it outside. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, with time that, that will, that will come with the chemistry, but then it reminded me to earlier in the season with Corey Davis, where the defender had inside coverage and, uh, Corey Davis is making an inside route and he misread that coverage. Uh, so it, it's good to see that growth and I hope it continues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the good thing with Zach Wilson to go back and remember is that as much as this is growth, it's also a little bit of regressing back to who he is because that was yeah. one of my favorite traits about him at BYU was his ability to read defenders leverage and basically throw guys open where if he knew somebody was covered and he said it himself, I remember clipping out uh, the interview he had beginning of his uh, middle of his junior year after the Houston game, I believe, where he was talking about studying Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and how if the defender's back is turned and you can throw it to where he's not looking, that even if he's covered, that receiver's still open. And the, the quote I've said over and over is a good ball beats good coverage every day. And he's right. We're seeing him get back to that. We're seeing him revert back to who he is and get comfortable. And that's why I said being calm is so important because this is him calming down. This is him settling in. This is him. This is week 13. He's, he knows the playbook now. He's not having to remember the verbiage. He's not having to, you know, remember where is my read on this play? He's practiced it now. He's been in the meetings. He's gotten more comfortable and the more comfortable he gets, I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, I agree. That's the hope. That's definitely the hope. I really do think there is hope. And we also got to remember that this offense right now is not what it should be. It's not its full strength. 
Corey Davis was clearly playing hurt, uh, hurt enough to re-injure himself and now be out for the season. We all wish him the best, obviously. Um, Michael Carter is not playing. You know, there is, uh, there is pieces on this offense that are really important pieces on this offense that aren't there and can only imagine what this team is going to look like when everyone is healthy and firing on sil- full, all cylinders. Yeah. Cole as well. He, he missed because of yeah. COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's another piece in the receiving core that that would have yeah. been a nice piece to have. And as good as uh, Barrios has been to to end really quick before we get into the defense, you know, I, he's absolutely deserving of getting into the Pro Bowl as a returner, 110% with his numbers, number one in kick return average and number two in punt return average. Yeah, he should be he should be an All Pro uh, return specialist this year with those kind of numbers. Um, He's a weapon in the receiving option as well, but you got to have the depth guys. And if you don't have Corey Davis and you don't have Keelan Cole, then the only guy you have with some size that can go up and body people is Denzel Mims. And I think this is going to be, he's going to have these last few weeks to really kind of see if this is his future with the team or not. I agree. This is his time to shine. If you, Now or never really for him. It really is. Yeah. Agreed guys. All right, guys, let's get into the defense. Um, same old story as usual. They could not stop anything. Uh, you have an Eagles, very talented offensive line, very talented run schemes. They were able to run all over the Jets uh, like most teams were. They were screened to death. They couldn't cover Dallas Goddard for anything, whether it was a tight end screen or otherwise. Uh, it, it was a mess defensively. I think the only player that had even somewhat of a solid game was Bryce Hall. And quite honestly, everybody else, I think, got a, a negative grade on the stat sheet. Uh, this was this was a rough one. Uh, I don't want to say it was the worst performance they've had all year, but it crossed my mind by just how demoralizing it was. Where when you have like the Patriots game where they gave up 54 points, you had an offense that wasn't playing well. This is a game where your offense was playing really well. Maybe the best they've played to start a game. Well, definitely the best they've played to start a game all season. And your defense can't do anything anything to get your offense back out on the field. It sucked all the momentum out of the team and it completely killed Zach Wilson's rhythm. And that's why you saw after that hot start, everything kind of just fizzled out. They never scored again because the defense couldn't get a stop and they're just stuck on the sideline for over an hour of real time while the Eagles get to do the classic double dip of drain out the end of half, get a score kick off at the next half and receive the ball and then drain out. They basically drain out half the third quarter or most of the third quarter uh, on their first drive after halftime. This was just, this was a gut punch. And there's a reason CJ Mosley came out and said that the Eagles were, were disrespecting the jets when they were on offense and defense. Cause they just didn't felt like they were such obviously the better team. And it's at least offensively offensively for the Eagles that matter. They were, this was this. I hope this is a wake up call to the jets coaches, but I'm, I'm worried that, there's nothing that they can do. Is there anything that you guys think that they can do with this defense, with the players that they have? Uh, I understand the youth. I understand that makes it difficult, but, but you can't just let these guys get roasted for the last five weeks of the season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there is anything they can do really. Maybe if solid takes control, he can pull some magic out of his hat. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but with the team that we have, unless we get Huff back, uh, maybe we can show a little bit of, of a pass rush then because we absolutely showed no p- pass rush against the Eagles. None at uh, all. None at all. And we've said this before, when they don't get a pass rush, uh, the rest of the defense suffers. 
And it was like that again today. Uh, JFM and uh, and and Williams were no shows. Uh, you got Mosley jumping off sides. Yeah, maybe the center moved a slight bit, but guess what? That they're trying to get him to jump off sides there, and he fell for it. Uh, the, so there's just so many things undisciplined, uh, left and right. Uh, Godert's just being left alone or get uh, in using rub concepts to, to get open and they're, they're, they're uh, running backs out of the backfield. They're just left alone. We, it's like, we've never seen a screen pass before in our lives. It's just the same story over and over again. And I know a lot of people are sick and tired of seeing it and I am as well, but, and I don't really see it changing that much. I think we'll face offenses, offensive lines that aren't as good and we'll have a little bit more success. But it's going to be the same story against these good offensive lines. They're just going to control the game, and they're going to control our defense. And it's going to be like that for the rest of the year. I don't see it changing as long as we don't have the talent to change it. Yeah, I agree. And and honestly, it's all about the defensive line right now. The Jets cannot afford to lose bodies on the D-line. And Sheldon Rankins didn't play. And we're not even mentioning Vinnie Curry, Carl Lawson, Bryce Huff. The Jets need to be 8, 9, 10 deep on the D-line for this defense to function. More than that, the Jets are lacking talent. And more than that, the Eagles' run scheme is just the Jets' kryptonite, right? They, they run longer developing plays with counters, traps, power where the jets go and the D linemen they just attack and and the running back is far away from that on the second level because they are exactly where the o-linemen want them to be and right now is basically a mix of scheme to me and talent it's so hard to just place it in one person or one thing it's basically a mix for me right now because the d-line and the entire defense they are not they're not talented as as we shall say but also come on you got to tell your d-lineman that they they can't chew gap and stay home sometimes you got to change up your calls you cannot play cover one in every single turn down there is it's like it's setting yourself up for failure right now and 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 those issues are glaring for me with uber chancella they are too like this is who we are and that's and we're going to be like this and 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 they really don't understand how you're going to be a zone heavy defense on first and second down then on third down you're going to bring pressure and leave your corners on island it's just just a big break from what they're doing in the other downs right and i'm not a yeah. fan right now of this defensive coaching staff strategy i'm just not a fan i understand that the, the talent issue is there and it's glaring we're starting elijah riley who's a competent player but he's elijah riley we're starting guys that picked it up the street quincy williams is good but he he was cut by the jaguars gerard davis is bad and ashton davis is developing the corners are young talent issue is there but i really don't understand some things that the jets do schematically on defense yeah, yeah, I don't either. Um, I, I want to throw something at you guys real quick. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot since this game. Um, it's the history of this style of defense, the Seattle cover three. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys. I very much enjoyed Robert Sala as a coaching candidate and was very glad that you tired him and still am. And I'm a big believer in him as a head coach in the future of this team. I want to start with that first and foremost. But I was very skeptical of this defensive scheme. And the reason I was skeptical of this scheme is because it has been outdated for years. 
I want to go through the history of this, this defense and the really, really good defenses that have played this scheme throughout time. And what you're going to see is they last one year. You have the 2013 Legion of Boom Seahawks that were very, very talented and very good and dominated the Peyton Manning Broncos in the Super Bowl, won that game in Russell Wilson's second year. Russell Wilson's third year, he was playing like an MVP. The Seahawks were a complete team. Their defense was still good. Obviously, they lost to the Patriots in the end, but that elite defense was the 2013 Seahawks defense. The next team after that to play the scheme and be relatively good at it was the 2015 Jaguars. And you have all pros all over that team. You have Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye at corner, who were both first-team All-Pros. You have Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, and Malik Jackson on the defensive line. You have Miles Jack at linebacker. You have a ton of talent on this defense. Most importantly, again, like we're talking about, a very, very talented pass rush. Famously that year, they played the Texans in Week 1 and got 10 sacks against the Houston Texans to set the tone for this amazing defense. They went to the AFC Championship that year. It only lasted one year. The Jaguars were 5-11, and 11, I think, the following season. Then you flash forward to a team coached by Robert Sala, and that's the 2019 49ers, who were the last great defense to play this style and be one of the top defenses in the league that everyone champions that's running this scheme. They had four first-round picks on their defensive line. They had Nick Bosa, who was the second pick in the draft, and I believe the defensive rookie of the year that year. Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, uh, and who, uh, who's the other Solomon Thomas, I believe was their other defensive end. They subbed in, I'm pretty sure they traded for D Ford and that off season, they had a ton of talent on that defensive line. You back it up and you have Fred Warner, Quan Alexander and Drake Lorene law at linebacker. You have two intermixable safeties that are perfect for the scheme and Jimmy Ward and Jaquiski tart. I'm pretty sure they had Richard Sherman at that point who is still playing great football in that scheme. These defenses that go on to be these great defenses that everybody then wants to copy, they fall apart the next year. And it's because you have to be so incredibly talented to play this style of defense and have to have elite players, literally elite players at multiple positions. And if you don't, it becomes a middling defense. We're watching that happen in Seattle right now. They trade for Jamal Adams, and while he is certainly not a bad player as much as we all like to make fun and hate him, sure, he is still a talented player. He can't do it alone. Bobby Wagner has clearly lost a step. They don't have the corner talent. They don't have Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. That defense is terrible. You've looked at, like I said, the Jaguars fell apart. The 49ers defense, when it lost all its talent, Robert Sala switched it in his last year as their defense coordinator. They stopped being cover three. They moved to a match quarter scheme. That was what the rest of the league was starting to do, and it played really well for them. We haven't seen the Jets do that. They're trying to quite literally mold these young players into steel-hardened, I guess, coverage machines through trial by fire. And they're just throwing them into the ringer and expecting that with enough reps over time, where if enough times of getting burned by the same scheme or the same screen pass or the same trap run, and their coach is telling them to do the same thing against it over and over, and it's still not working, they're expecting that eventually these players are just going to get so talented and so quick with their thought in the rep that all of a sudden they're going to be able to counteract what offensive schematics have done to beat this scheme. I don't care who we get on this defense. 
I don't care who comes back to be healthy on this defense. I'm not saying it is not going to help at all because I definitely think it will. But I don't think that it is ever going to be enough in the modern NFL with this style of cover three heavy defense on early downs that gets the Jets into such terrible situations on third down. And then when they do get into a good situation, like third and 19 run cover freaking one man, I'm, I'm heated because this is my doomsday scenario that I saw with Robert Sala as a head coach was that this style of defense is outdated. And I'm really, really worried that this is going to be a kryptonite with this team and this defense, not just this season, but for years and years to come, because no matter who you bring in to play this scheme, you're still going to be susceptible to getting beat by trap runs because you're teaching your defensive linemen to be aggressive. You're still going to have trouble covering running backs out of the backfield because linebackers have to cover a ton of space. And you're still going to have trouble covering screens because everyone in the back end is dropping backwards and everyone in the front end is charging up hard. Those are things are not going to change if they get better players. They might get a little better at defending it. They might react a little better. They might be able to, to make a great play and beat a block every now and again. But for the most part, it's going to be the same old story. And I think this could be really, really ugly for the next handful of uh, games and potentially the next handful of seasons. So like you said, when he lost his uh, front four to injury, he changed. Why do we think that he won't do that here? I mean, I he obviously hasn't done it yet now, but I think, like you said, that's more to mold the talent that we have to get used to what it will be like when we do have the talent. Uh, but if we ever get to that point where we do have the talent and they falter or get injured, will he make the change then? I'm I'm worried that at his core. And I think he's spoken to this and proven to this. So I don't think there's any reason for me to think that this isn't true. I think at his core, Robert Sala believes that this scheme wins. I think he is a tried and true believer in this style of defense first and foremost, because that's what he's trying to build. He's trying to, his ideal defense looks like the 2013 Seahawks would be my guess. And like I just said, as great as the 2013 Seahawks were, were quite literally one of the best defenses in the history of the NFL in one season, it didn't last. And these style of defenses, they don't last because they continually get beat by the same things. You have to look at guys. My perfect example for this is Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Mike Zimmer runs a similar 4-3 inspired cover three single high type of scheme, but they do so much else within that defense that makes it hard on quarterbacks to know what's going on that they might be running the same coverage, but they'll do it out of so many different looks or they'll switch who's covering on one particular side. They don't even use their safety alignment by normal like free safety and strong safety. They go by where the ball spotted. So if the ball's on the near hash, uh, then Harrison Smith is going to be covering the, the the boundary and their other safety, whoever it is. I don't know who it is now after Anthony Harris isn't there, but they've done this for years in Minnesota. So whoever else is playing free safety covers the field. And they they do things so unique that make it so difficult that I want to see more of that. I want to see Robert Sala be that sort of coach because there's nothing wrong with running a four, three defense that runs cover three and runs man coverage and pressure on third down. There's, there's good things in there at its core. I'm not opposed to it. I'd wanted the jets to switch to a four, three for years because I just thought it would be a better use of their personnel. And it's easier in the league to find guys to fit that scheme than it is to find guys that fit true three, four roles. But 
I'm sitting here thinking right now, you got to do something else. And it's frustrating all of us because we know he can't. We know he's got it in his arsenal. We know we just saw him do it in San Francisco when he was forced to with desperation. And I understand you maybe had a little more veteran team, so you could switch things up. That's going to be the excuse, and that's what it is, an excuse. But that's going to be the excuse at the end of the day is going to be youth. You're you're hurting these players right now. They're not learning anything by getting beat by the same stuff they're going to get beat by because you're calling a coverage that's archaic. I just, it's, it's really hard to watch. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Honestly, Andrew, I think you have a fair point, but we got to think that Robert Sala is going to adapt at some point. Right. And it's, I know that this is the first season and he hasn't shown that yet, but once talent gets here or once he understands that he cannot keep doing the same thing forever, I think he's going to adapt. He did that in 2020, last season with the Niners. And I really thought he was going to look more like that guy here at the Jets, considering the lack of talent that we have now. But I think that his thought process was last season with San Francisco, they were just removed from the Super Bowl. So they were contending. So he had to do everything in his power. And he was not the head coach. He was under Kyle Shanahan to keep the defense competitive. So he just went multiple, cover four, match, match scheme, pressure on early downs, etc. And now if the Jets, it's his team. He wants to implement his scheme in the long term. And he knows that the Jets are not competing this season. So he's ready to go through the growing pains of force feet force fatting a cover tree scheme on these guys and i i i have to think right here like trying to be optimist that when the jets start to contend when the jets have a good team when the jets are a playoff team and he sees that the defense the cover tree like style defense is not working he will be more multiple this is the only thing that i have right now to be optimistic about this jets scheme defensive scheme that just doesn't change right now and andrew you have more than a fair point right here it's it's like history those defense they do not last long and they really need elite talent to be great yeah and you know what else they historically need a really good offense that gets them that gets them leads to play with the style of defense is best when you have a high-powered offense that can go out and score, get the defense back out on the field, get the pass rushers charging, get teams in passing situations. That's when this team does best, when teams are having to play catch-up, when they can't just dink and dunk down the field, when they can't just ground and pound and kill the clock. That is what this defense is built for. And the offense is going through its own growing pains, is not at the level to take advantage of the defense that is built to play with a lead. That It's... All of it is just cohesively, it's not working. I, I talked about this in my other podcast with Lamont Jordan on Believe in Jets, where he's a really big proponent of identity and saying that the Jets don't have an identity. And I agree, they don't have one. They're starting to have one on offense with Zach Wilson, but they don't have an identity on defense right now because it's not a match to their team. Well, I mean, they have an identity. It's just not an identity that works for who they are. Uh, but even in your doomsday scenario, if he does never change and we do have one great year, we can find solace in knowing that we haven't had that year yet. So there's still at least one year of great defense that maybe brings us to the, to the promised land. Yeah, but you got to acquire a lot of talent for that to happen. And, and listen, I love Quentin Williams as much as the next guy, but like you got to show up against some good guys too. 
Like this was this was a game Quinnen Williams really really needed to show up as a pass rusher, and Gardner Minshew was doing whatever he wanted. John Franklin Myers, you had the, your career game against Houston it was invisible against the Eagles this past game. I think there is more talent that needs to be added, and unfortunately, the the guys they've invested into there's talent that needs to be added everywhere. Like I, I don't. I'm worried that there's not going to, you have so much talent to add, and then you're going to have to teach that talent that gets brought in the scheme, and it's going to take longer than the guys who've already been here. I'm just, it, this seems like a big ask for me. And I'm, I'm just a little worried that if the talent gets back, and I think the defensive line talent that will come back healthy next year is going to be huge. But if that talent gets back and they run the same style of scheme and it's the same old, same old. I'm wondering, will Robert Sala have the self-awareness to stop himself and say, for the future of my team, not just to continue contending, can I go with this scheme? Is this the right decision? Can I mold my team to play this defense to where there really isn't anything else that we can do because I haven't taught them anything else? That's my worry. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I just know it's going to be really ugly these next five weeks. That's, that's That's what I think. Wait and see. Got to wait and see. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe with, there'll be sporadic uh, spurts of, of genius out there when we're playing the lesser teams or teams may, with that are maybe injured, like the the Saints. Yeah, that's a that's a good transition. Uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead and lead off? Uh, I was just talking Doomsday, but why is this a possible good day for the defense coming up against New Orleans? Well, I mean, it, it really all depends on who plays for the Saints. Uh, they were kind of uh, hurt really bad la- uh, last Thursday against the Cowboys. That Ryan Ramachek, he was out with a knee injury. Uh, he was limited Monday, but then didn't participate the next two days. Uh, you got Armistead, uh, who didn't participate at all last week with a knee injury. So if both their all-world tackles are out, that changes things. Because then all they're left with is really McCoy and Ruiz, who are their only decent offensive linemen who I would have to worry about. Uh, and then there's Alvin Kamara. He was limited. Uh, for all of last week with his knee injury, but then ended up not playing. So I suspect that he probably will play this week, maybe. And if he's back, that that makes things a lot harder because our defense has a lot of trouble with uh, running backs out of the backfield on screens or just in general, really. Uh, and Kamara is one of the best in the league. So I, I can definitely see Kamara really taking it to us. Uh, but at the same time, if we can uh, gar- yeah, get some pressure on on uh, on Hill, if Hill plays, that's another one. It, who's going to be their quarterback? Is it going to be Simeon or Hill? I think uh, uh, you, already, you mentioned that uh, Hill uh, had a, a, a finger injury maybe. So that might hold him out. Uh, and we'll get Simeon, the, the once jet. Uh, so there's a lot of unknowns right now. And but there is a, 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 an opportunity here. And I think it, it could be a get right game for our defense. If they can get that pressure that eluded us against the Eagles, against the Colts, against New England, against all these great offensive lines. If we can finally get some pressure, then I think everything else will kind of fall into place. Uh, they'll still get uh, dink and dunked a little bit with uh, Kamara, uh, Callaway. Uh, and some of their other receivers. Uh, but I feel like they'll do enough with their pressure to really 
get some uh, some three and outs and get off the field a, a lot more than they did against the Eagles. And this will help uh, uh, Zach, who will uh, probably get a lot more uh, help this this time around, considering the, the Saints might be without their, their two best edge rushers as well. So there's a lot of things that we just need to see play out throughout the week and see who plays for the Saints. Yeah, it's all about their injuries right now because when you think about it, if the Saints offense, they play without their top two tackles, if they play without Evan Kamara, and if they play without Taysom Hill, and not like Taysom is a great quarterback, but he's an, he's an asset on the ground game, this might be a very good matchup for the Jets defense all of a sudden, who we were, we were just trashing five minutes ago because they won't be able to be dominant on the ground without those two, those two great players in Ramsey and Armstead despite their interior alignment being good. They won't be as dominant as they usually are. Even more so without Hill, who creates an extra gap on the ground. Kamara, the guy that catches the short passes, might not play. And and all of a sudden, the Jets might be living on a third and long word where they can play man coverage that Ubrich loves so much against receivers like Marquise Calloway and the others that I don't remember the name because I think even Harris now is out for three games. He just got suspended. So it, the Saints are a team that they are not fantastic offensively and they are still hurt with a billion of injuries. This might be a good game for those defenders just show up. It, it's looked, it, it's like, I know that we are in a vicious cycle right now as Jets fans and Jets fans have podcasts that the Jets defense gets beat up and then the next week comes and they just say, hey, this might be a good opportunity. And and But looking to the Saints roster and to their, their firepower that they have in their skill position, guys, this could be a good matchup for the Jets defense. Let's see if they, if they show up. Yeah, I, I think it can because the two things that really ruin the Jets are good offensive lines and teams that have talented skill positions to where the Jets can't really work. They can get beat easier when they go into their man coverages. And right now, the Saints don't have either of that. They would have if they were completely healthy. Their offensive line, when it's normally healthy, is one of the best in the NFL. And the Saints prioritize their offensive line every single year for a reason. They've drafted more offensive linemen in the first round than anybody else I can think of over the last handful of years. Uh, it's because they always want to be strong in the trenches offensively. And it's important. Uh, it's really, really important. Vitor, you had said this a handful of months ago, I believe over summer when we were breaking down offenses and you were talking about the Saints offense and you had said that they can always move the ball because of their line. And ever since you said that, it's like the perfect phrase for it. It's stuck in my head. And that's, that's how they're built. And right yeah. now that line's hurt. That's a problem for them. And they also don't have the skill talent on the outside where their top three receivers are going to be Marquez Callaway, Lil Jordan Humphrey, and Juwan Johnson. That's that's rough. That Their tight end is Nick Vanette. That's rough. There's not a lot of talent here. Mark Ingram out of the backfield is not Alvin Kamara. They have Ty Montgomery who, okay, you know, we've seen what he can do. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of talent here. And when the Jets play teams specifically teams with poor offensive lines, their defense plays well. So I honestly think after just sitting here and trashing them and saying that it could be ugly over the next five weeks and I'm worried about the future of this defense, all of that stands true. I want to back all of that and I will defend all of that because I truly believe it. But I think this week could be the upswing 
where the defense is able to get five or six sacks on Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill, whoever ends up playing and the run game, you know, they give up 40 yards rushing for the game and everyone's going, Oh, the defense is back. And, and it's just going to take time and be patient. And yeah, there's part of that, but I quite honestly think that the jets defense is just going to be a victim to their matchup for a lot of the times and a lot of games that they're in. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it can just go so many different ways this week. Uh, and it's going to be ebbs and flows with this, with this team, but you know what? That's just part of rebuilding. When, when you don't have the talent, you'll, you'll play good when you have the matchups and you'll play bad when you don't. Um, so it's just what we're going to have to deal with for the rest of the season. And we just have to hope it gets better going forward. Yeah, it's weird yeah. considering Salah's a defensive head coach that the the Achilles heel of this team in the future might be a defense that is hit or miss. It's funny how that happens. Same with Case. Oh, he's supposed to be this offensive uh, genius. <laughs> he, he knows where football is going, Matt. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, let's speaking of offense, let's get into our last point here. And that is going to be how the offense can carry their success into the future, specifically what Zach Wilson can do to continue his good play and fix some of the errors. Vitor, I'm going to kick it back to you. What did you see from some from the film that you would have Zach Wilson focusing on uh, in the film room? Well, uh, still a little bit of his of his feet, right? His left foot. It's better, but still sort of all over the place, which forces him to overcompensate with his upper body on those shorter throws, the ones that he needs to put a lot more zip on. And his is still aiming the ball on some short throws, like his his pushing the ball to the to, to the pass catcher. But this was already better against the Eagles, and I think it will only get fixed in the offseason. There's something that I pay attention when I watch film. Zach Wilson is a lot better against one one high defenses than two high defenses. He he just Processes yep. better against cover three, cover one. When he sees too high, I feel like he sees too many bodies underneath, and and it's just he he he, he tends to be more hesitant. That's what happens against the Falcons, and he's now going to face Dennis Allen, who I believe is a cover two oriented guy. He likes to play in cover two a lot, and he disguises a lot. So Zach will need to continue to be calm, right? He needs to settle down. He needs to understand that the game doesn't need to be won in the first drive. He doesn't need to do too much because these Saints defense, they are a lot different than the Eagles defense. And it is going to be a test. So I understand that footworks and mechanics are a point of emphasis in everything, but it all starts mentally. Zach was calm against the Eagles because he knew what was coming. And LaFleur schemed up some easy ones for him against the Saints early in the game. If the Saints start a game like aggressive, trying to get into Wilson in the first, second, or third, or third down the game, the, how Wilson responds will be key to the entire game and to his development uh, until the end of the season. So for Wilson against the Saints, I think the key is remain calm. The game doesn't end in one quarter. You have four quarters of football to figure out what's happening and to win the game for a football team. You know what? I, I, I feel like Without Corey Davis, uh, he's going to rely heavily on Moore. And I have a feeling that Lattimore is really going to take away more, uh, unless LaFleur can get pretty creative in how he uses more. Uh, I think Lattimore is going to be all over him. So that's going to force Zach to really look elsewhere. He's going to have to look at Mims. He's going to have to look at Crowder. Maybe we get Cole back. Uh, the, there's, he's going to have to look elsewhere. And these guys, although they're talented, 
they're not Moore's level. They're not Corey Davis's level. So uh, he could have a decently hard time uh, finding his targets reliably throughout the day. I don't know if he's going to find the same kind of rhythm that he found against the Eagles early. And that concerns me. Maybe if he doesn't find that rhythm, does he revert back? Does he look more like uh, Zach in the second half when he started to play hero ball and threw that interception that he should not have thrown at all? Does he start to look like that? And that's what worries me. Even if uh, the Saints pass rush isn't there, uh, their secondary is still pretty good. They have very good uh, safeties. And like I said, they have all world Marshall and Lattimore. So it's it, it's a wait and see, but I, I I'm not sure how he's going to handle that. Yeah, that's going to be the question. You know, this is Vitor, like you said, it is a bit different of a defense. Uh, they, it is similar in uh, schematics, but not entirely the same. They do do a little bit more of a disguise, uh, and that is something that we've seen Wilson have some trouble with before, specifically in Denver with Vic Fangio. Uh, it was a really bad game for him because he just couldn't see what was coming. But I think this could be a game where he can be a little bit better. And you had mentioned Marshawn Lattimore, but Marshawn Lattimore was injured and just had his first game back this past week against uh, the Cowboys. Now that was a Thursday game. So they have had more time to rest, but as we've mentioned, the saints are still pretty injured. Uh, We obviously are waiting for more injury reports as the week goes on, but it hasn't seemed at least to me from what I've heard and what we've all seen that they're not going to be getting that many guys back. So this will be Lattimore's second game back from an injury and Marshawn, uh, Marshawn Lattimore is a great player, but we're watching Elijah Moore be a pretty great player himself. And I think that Elijah could beat him a couple of times. And I have one thing about the saints that I do know defensively is that they will run some zone. They will run some disguise, but in crucial situations, they want to run man coverage. It's similar to what the jets do is they want to leave Lattimore and, uh, uh, gosh, who's their other corner. Oh my goodness. PJ Williams. Um, PJ Williams or, and Paulson Adebo. That's who the other, the other guy they got. Yeah. They want to leave those guys in coverage and play man. Uh, I think you can beat Lattimore a little bit with some, uh, with Elijah Moore, if you can get him into some sneaky alignments and get him some free releases and try and get down the field. So what I'm going to say is don't be too scared of the, the secondary that you're going against. If you're Zach Wilson, continue to be comfortable and rip it and trust in who yourself. Don't get too timid. But on top of that, and I'm going to point this at Michael Floor. They got their two starting defensive ends out. Run the damn ball. What? Why? Let's set up the run. Let's let Tevin Coleman get to the edge because I think he still has some bursts. Let's get Todd Johnson get to the edge. Let's let Austin Walter get to the edge. Let's run that outside zone. Let's see if we can't establish this run game and set up some easy opportunities off play action. That's where you're really going to see, I think, the deep shots open up. I think this could be a sneaky good game offensively because I think they're going to be able to get the run game going really easily. Yeah, uh, if they can get the run game going, that, that'll definitely open things up. Um, it, it's. I, I just want to put this note out there that I... I don't really trust our offensive line. I mean, they've been performing decently well, but I feel like it's, they have their ebbs and flows as well. And you never know when they're going to kind of revert back to their, their bad selves. I mean, the fans been pretty reliable. Uh, AVT has been great. Uh, but I mean, LDT, uh, he's, he's, he was hurt a little bit last week, so we don't know how, how he's going to be. Is it going to be Van Roten back in? Uh, Moses has been playing a little hurt and you really never know what you're going to get with, uh, Carmen McGovern and his, his, his coverage, uh, his, uh, 
is a protection calls. So you, you really don't know what you're going to get, get, even if the Saints defensive ends are hurt. Yeah. And, and I'm loving Tevin Coleman, guys. Really, he's surprising me a lot. He has that speed to, to just turn the corner on the edge. And, and I feel like LaFleur, he's doing a better job of building their rushing attack, right? But I'm a run first guy, and I, st I always feel like you can run more of the ball. <laughs> and against the Saints without their D-alignment, a defense that might be trouble, I, I think the Jets should focus on the ground game early on. We talked last week against the Eagles screens early in the game. The Jets they did a lot of those. Bubble to yeah. Elijah Moore, bubble to Jamison Crowder, running back screens to Coleman. The Jets did it a lot. Screen game is, is, is excellent against a good D-line. Against a bad D-line, what's better than running the football, right? So I feel like LaFleur should should just easy Wilson in into into the game with the running with the ground game and 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 start from there. I feel like Tevin Coleman leads the league in times where he gets caught like nine yards down the field before just exploding through the final hole that's gonna be like a 60 yard touchdown. Like there's been so many times where he has a gap and he sees it and he knows it. And he does that Tevin Coleman thing where he just turns his shoulders straight and explodes through the dang hole. And he just gets like tripped up right as he's getting to it. And he like smacks the ball on the ground. It happened early in the Eagles game. It happened in the Texans game. Like there's been a handful of times this year I've seen where he is like one missed tackle away from having a huge, big breakaway uh, scoring run. And, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I thought he might've been down a little bit in a step, but no, he's still explosive he can still and the one thing with him was that he can bring a little more physicality is that he's a bigger guy and he can run so fast that he's he's never going to be the guy that's going to be imposing powerful but he's so hard to bring down when you got 215 plus pounds going that quickly that's a load and uh, you know i really think that you can you have to take advantage of these weak defensive uh defensive ends because the linebackers are really good so you have Demario Davis and Quan Alexander inside. So if they're going to be the guys that are on the inside, I want to make them chase as much as they can. And yes, they're good at that. That's kind of, you know, that's what they do. But I also think that you can get the edge a little easier. You can run to the left side and let Fanton ABT pass off the double team on the defensive end on outside zone easier. And Fant can get up to the linebacker a little sooner because ABT is able to, to get around. I'm, I think you can have a really good run game to the edges. I want to see the Elijah Moore, you know, jet sweeps more as well. I want to see, you know, the plays with, with him. I, this could be a sneaky good game offensively if they can get the run game going. If not, I think this could be a game where it's going to be up. How much did Wilson improve really will be what we'll learn when the game will be on him and things won't be going pretty. That's when he plays his worst. We'll see how he'll respond. Yeah, I um, agree. Nobody blows up a good running play quite like Greg Van Roten. So hopefully LDT. <laughs> that that is true. Yeah, that is true. That will certainly throw a wrench in things. Uh, if he is starting again, that will hurt the run game. So run left and have just let, just let Elijah Vera Tucker block two people because I trust Elijah Vera Tucker to block two people more than I trust Greg Van Roten to block one. Yep. All right, guys, let's wrap it up with some score predictions. Get on out of here. Uh, I'll, as always, we'll go ahead and lead things off. Uh, knowing the saints offensive line is the way that it is. I think this could be the rebound game for the defense. Sean Payton is a great offensive mind, and I think that he is certainly going to have some wrinkles uh, to get some easy plays and fool the Jets defense a handful of times. I don't think that's just going to go away this week. So I do think the Saints will be able to move the ball, but I do think in crunch time when the game is going to be on the line and in third and long situations or in the red zone when the Jets defense really needs to tighten up, I think they're going to be the more talented unit, and that's going to be what pays off in the end. Uh, I'm a 
I think that the offense can play well. I think that they'll be able to move the ball as well. I'm a little, I don't want to say worried, but I'll say hesitant or, or rather scarred from being a fan of this team from so many years about Zach Wilson to see how he progresses. But I think he'll continue to progress. Um, this game is at home and the Saints are injured and the Jets just got embarrassed as CJ Mosley was talking about. Teams don't respect them. I think they're ticked off. I think they're going to come back out angry. I think the defensive line is going to be charging hard. I think the Jets are going to win this game. I'm going to have it as 28-18 Jets. Okay. Uh, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to make two predictions. <laughs> if Ramachek and Armstead and Kamara play, uh, I don't think there's much that our defense can do to stop them. And I think it's going to be an ugly game, much like the Eagles. I would say if they're playing, it's going to be 30 uh, to 21 uh, Saints. But if they're not playing, then I'm actually going to flip things a little bit and say we win 27-20. Well, I, I think the Jets are going to win this game. 24-14, I think they're going to play really well. Those guys, the, the linemen, I think they really won't play. They're hurt. Siemens not very good. The receivers, they can't create separation. I feel like this will be a game where the Jets defense will be able to get off the field. Give me a Jets win, baby. Yeah, I think we're all in lockstep. I think that this is just the Saints are too injured. And while they're, it, it would be a lot for them to get all of those players back, but it's just unlikely right now that that is what happens. Uh, and, and this is one of the rare games where the Jets have the talent matchup. We talked before the Houston game. We said the same thing you know, off schematically and based off the talent, the Jets should have the advantage. And I think this is another game where it's kind of more of the same. I mean, these are the Jets, so it is likely that they're going to get every single player back and be healthy for this game. This is true. This is true. Can't rule out that the Saints will, that Taysom Hill will discover how to be an NFL quarterback against the Jets because apparently that's what (laughs) happens to people. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week. Let's go ahead and get on out of here. You guys know the drill. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. And I'm Vitor. And you can find me at Vitor Paiva M. I'm Andrew. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. As always, it is at OKD Podcast on Twitter. And also, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week to review the Saints game and look ahead to the following week after that. Thank you again. Bye bye. <laughs>